This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, when we start Cardinals Underground talking about the real world instead of talking about the sports world you know the reality of the situation the gravity of the situation is well it's unavoidable and something that we must discuss because uh you know it's really a privilege to exist in the sports world really it's an alternate reality it's an escape from the real world but again it's unavoidable when uh, those two forces collide and the arizona cardinals have had just such a situation in the last week or less. Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Danny Sarek, and of course we are talking about Jeff Gladney on this edition of Cardinals Underground. And yes, there will be plenty of football to talk about as well, which is something that Jeff Gladney did did very well. Yeah. But to put his life in perspective, and, it, and it, it hit me, guys, not only just the instant we all learned about the news, whether it was via Twitter or what have you, but when you went to azcardinals.com and you saw – the silhouette of Jeff Gladney with the years of his life below. And you see 1996 to 2022. And you know what I thought of? I see the dash. And I think of Pat Tillman, both in context of an Arizona Cardinals player. I know where you're going with In this, Pat's yeah. case, the former player who lost his life serving his country. But I think of the funeral in San Jose, a very emotional funeral where his brothers got up there, his youngest brother in particular, and just talked about that dash and living your dash. And, and to this day, when I see that, when I see a lifespan on someone who has passed away, I always focus on that dash. And I think of Pat Tillman, in this case, Darren, in particular just because it happens to be a Cardinals player as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a tragedy, and, and we don't know all the details. And I, I don't know how important details are at this point anyways. Um, you know, we, we ended up, obviously, normally we podcast on Tuesdays and we held off a day uh, just because it made a lot of sense. Um, I mean, for me and this, I, you know, when Pat Tillman passed away, you know, I was a much younger person. And, uh, you know, I, I saw Pat not necessarily as a peer, but fairly close, a lot closer than I am a peer to these guys now. And in fact, you got a guy who you know, gets killed in a car wreck. And my first thought is, I, you know, I've got a 22-year-old son who's going to be 23. Wow. And you start thinking about, you know, what would happen if that was my kid that that lost mm-hmm. his life. So uh, it's, it's a terrible story. Um, you know, that's the other thing I thought of, and I can't lie about this, Paul, is, and you know this because you were around with Bruce Arians, but, you know, the, all the talk about, when you had the holiday weekends and Bruce Arians was always a big, Hey, you know, be careful. Yep. 
bad things can happen. Now, you know, sometimes he was talking about stupid stuff that might get you a suspension, but obviously this is the worst of the worst. Yeah, ending up in the news for the wrong reasons, and Bruce Arians would inevitably say, you know, don't be the guy, including me. He would actually cite himself as well on that one. Well, I thought Vance Joseph did a pretty darn good job talking with the media, as did Cliff Kingsbury about Jeff Gladney. And, and Vance said that Jeff Gladney had been around for a couple of months plus, which I, I was not aware of. And and he went on to say that the team is still processing that news, Danny, that it started with Cliff Kingsbury addressing the team and the this uh, week's OTAs, and then the offense and defense broke up, and, and they talked about it. And then, of course, the position groups and most definitely the defensive backs room who got to know him the best. And uh, it's especially emotional when you realize that he was the father to a one-year-old. So it, it's a tragedy in multiple ways. Even though he wasn't here for a long time, players still got to know him through practice, through meetings and training together, whether that was here at the facility or in Dallas or elsewhere. And it really just puts everything into perspective. And when we heard from Calvin Beecham, I thought it was really nice to know that when Kingsbury addressed the team, he was sharing the story of Jeff Gladney and all the adversity that he had gone through for the players that hadn't had a chance to either meet him or really get to know him. I think that's important and really need of Kingsbury to do as well as to talk about who he was as a person. Um, and, you, you know, you mentioned it, the team talking as a whole about how they were feeling splitting up into smaller groups. They were doing a big team activity just to kind of be together and, and you know, live your life together and, and love on each other. And, and that's the unfortunate thing you have to take away from this is how precious life is and and let those around you know that you care and love them. Yeah, It was an interesting dynamic because there are a number of players maybe who had never met Jeff Gladney as one of the newest Cardinals, correct? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I, I heard Vance talk about how he'd been around. I didn't know that he had been around a ton. Um, but but obviously he does know some of these guys, but not not everybody. And even when when Kelvin Beecham was talking, you know, Kelvin Beecham hasn't been here. So whether or not Gladney has been here, Kelvin Beecham is not. So true. You know, there's a guy that probably doesn't know him very well. But as Kelvin Beecham was saying, he's from a small town in uh, Texas. I was from a small town in Texas. You you have this kinship even if you don't know them very well. And there's always that that knowledge. But clearly this is going to impact some guys more heavily than others and and you know the the tough part is and and we're gonna do it right now ourselves as we do this podcast is like you want to give the proper amount of of acknowledgement to this and and yet there the cardinals were you know back on the field a couple days after this happened doing the things that they normally do and his cornerback teammates were out there on the field you know running drills and and that's that's yeah. kind of how this works. And Vance Joseph was asked about the football side of it. Now that you have a player who Vance Joseph called a starter, not the only person to have called Jeff Gladney a starter in the offseason. And so at some point there's going to be the football side of the equation for the Arizona Cardinals because the NFL season does not stop. And we saw the team out there. And among those we saw out there, Kyler Murray. All you had to do was follow the cameras. All you had to do was follow which direction the cameras were pointed. 
So Danny Sarek, your takeaway on what Kyler Murray looked like, because I think that was the question of Cliff Kingsbury, and the only answer he really gave in terms of any sort of difference in Kyler Murray going into year four would be <laughs> the hairstyle, apparently. How was the hair different, actually? I'm not ex- even sure. Well, he had he had braids throughout last season, so his hair was, was out now. Um, he didn't have the braids, and so his hair was longer it looked if you longer, go look at gotcha. easycardinals.com you can see it pretty easily paul <laughs> there you go Just saying there you go cross promotion ding uh to me i mean kyler looked kyler looked good he, he didn't necessarily look anything different again it, it's it's otas it's yes. as we've heard from Thank kingsbury you. it's more mental reps you know we really just saw him do the warm-ups some light throwing things of that nature but it's obviously great to have him out there i look i was saying last week or you know the last podcast I was not shaking in my boots that Kyler Murray was not here for the first round of voluntary OTAs. I do think it's great he's out here for a multitude of reasons in terms of, you know, building chemistry with that offensive line and his receivers and and the entire offense and the leadership side of things. And I think especially after the tragedy of this team, I think that's really important too to, you know, have a lot of those players here to talk through and, and, and talk with rather um, so I thought I thought it was great to see him see him out there. Um, there were a lot of veterans who, as we mentioned last week, Kyler was not the only veteran who was not there for voluntary OTAs and were there this week today when we saw them uh, Wednesday at practice. So it, it was great to see Kyler and the other veterans out there on the field. Yeah, some of the starting offensive linemen: yeah. DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Kelvin Beecham. Who actually gave a report from behind the scenes about what Kyler was doing, right? Yeah, it was said. He said when he was walking over, um, to when Kelvin Beecham was walking to us through the building to uh, do his press conference, that he saw Kyler Murray leading the the video review of the seven on seven at practice today, and that's you know, and you know, that's something Kyler should be doing if he's around, and it makes sense to me. But it, it doesn't hurt to have some inside information and, and to have a little bit of that stuff put out there for the world because people wonder about it. Yep. And, I, and I think that is understandable on both sides. And look, I've been pretty vocal on this podcast. I think the next step for Kyla Murray, not only finishing strong like everyone on the Arizona Cardinals over the last two years needs to figure out a way to play better in December and beyond. But to me, if you're going to be a franchise quarterback, which he is, and you're going to be paid like one, which we expect, then you need to become more of the culture. And that the culture needs to be defined by the franchise quarterback. That the reality is everyone's looking at you, and you have to lead. And so a lot of cases, the offense is you. It's built around your skill set. You're the one who tells the coach going into every game, okay, you know what, I like this half of the play sheet against this opponent. that's when it really clicks. And so if he's the one leading some of these film sessions, all the better. I I truly think that is how he grows up. And as a 24-year-old, okay, there is room for growth. It would be logical to think that he's going to improve in that area. With each passing year, he's got to feel more ownership of this team in this franchise, in the locker room, I would think. He's got to feel more empowered as opposed to, especially like a year one, you come in and you look over and there's Larry Fitzgerald and there's a Patrick Peterson. And how can you truly be a leader in that situation? Well, now this team is his. I mean, is, that, is that too dramatic? I know it's been an offseason of drama, Danny, but what do you think? Is there logic somewhere in there? No, absolutely. I think this is Kyler Murray's team. I do think, too, of as media members, we are only allowed to see so much. So we have to rely a lot on the players. And if all the players are talking about 
lead, he has leadership qualities. He has more than you guys see. Sure, we'd probably like to see more on the sideline and, and what we've talked about since the previous season ended. However, I think hearing Beecham talk about Kyler Murray leading that film study as he's heading, you know, Beecham's heading over to the podium to talk with us is, is good insight because it's, okay, the players, right, they weren't just, like, saying things the same to us. Like, Kyler really has been leading this team. And I think even though he's probably been doing that, I agree with you that from our standpoint, we still would like, I think I speak for all of us, would all still like to see that big jump in leadership heading into this season for him. I'm curious when you say this team is his, how is this team his any more than it was before last season? See, I don't I don't think anything's changed. I, I, I get when you're talking about coming in as a rookie and okay, maybe the second year. I don't know why this would be any different of a situation than it was before last year. I mean, last year was that year. I mean, now, now we're already into it. And I think that's one of the kind of that whiplash backlash feel to what happened last year was because that was supposed to be what you were have already overcome. I would say the main difference, I guess, I would cite would just be the contract. And if you're going to be the highest paid player on this team, by far, and one of the highest paid players in the NFL, I would presume top 10 in the NFL, then it just becomes that much more of your operation. And you know what? More is expected of you, and, and rightfully so, when you're being compensated like that. But when you hear the Kelvin Beecham, okay, he's, you know, Kyler's leading the seven on seven film session. When you hear Rondell Moore say there's a group chat, you know, text message string between Kyler and the receivers, just those little tidbits. Right, there's a little anecdotal information because I think it was Max Starks recently. I love Max. Go back and forth with Max, a longtime Steelers tackle, one time Cardinal, right? And he was making a big point about how well do guys know Kyler? Do guys know where you live? Have guys come over to your house? That sort of thing. And I, we can debate all we want about whether that's going to win football games or not. I, I don't know. I, Max Starks has a couple of rings and he played more than 10 years in the league. Okay, I'll defer to him. But when we hear these little stories, I would uh, tend to think that maybe he's making progress in that area. If indeed he needed to make progress, well, okay, there's hard evidence. It exists, this chemistry with his teammates. Again, I don't want to feel like I am just, I said this last week, defending everything Kyler does. I do think it is so easy nowadays to assume that if we are not seeing something on social media, that means it's not happening. Is Kyler taking jumps in leadership and doing more things with, with his teammates maybe outside the facility? That's, that could be true. But the thing is, is just because Kyler's not posting having all of his receivers at his house or the workouts he's doing in Dallas, right? Like, doesn't mean it's not happening. I, I see where you're coming from, and I don't disagree. You're absolutely 100% right. But see, for me, all it means right now is that we don't know. I'm not willing, I, I'm, I'm not willing to sit here and say he's not, he's, he is not doing his job as a leader. But I'm going to be honest, I'm not necessarily going to sit here and say he is. I know what players are saying, but so I've, done, what, I've, done, I've done this for a long time. And some of this, I mean, what what else are they going to say? Well, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make excuses or anything saying. of like, you know, just say we're going to be necessarily believe everything yeah. we hear. But I'm just curious, like, what would make you feel differently if Kyler were posting on social media? No, with- I, I mean, again, I don't f- for me. And, and this feels very old school, but like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> this is the, the I, I still remember Pat Tillman saying this to me in the locker room and, 
I think when he said it to me back in 2000, it was the first time I'd ever actually heard it, and I've heard it in many contexts. And I hope uh, this isn't offensive to you, <laughs> Danny. But row, row. I don't, I don't, uh, don't, don't tell me about the pain. Just show me the baby. Kind of feel to this. Have you heard that saying? No. Oh yeah, it's pretty. Sexist. I don't know that I like it. No, I don't think I do. Pat, but but <laughs> essentially, is again when you when you talk about um, when you talk about what I needed. I mean, if Let's see them win. I mean, I don't. So nothing would change your mind right now. No, you need to get through the season. Because I don't. F- see, for me, this whole topic and, and being around the, the players that I've been around, I mean, it, it goes back to the chemistry thing, and which I'm, I think Paul feels a little more strongly about that than I do. Like, I see a bunch of adults, and I see a league in which there's a fine line between really good teams and "Quote unquote, really bad teams. I mean, you, you can have a four and twelve team and a and a and a or four and thirteen team and a thirteen and four team, and there might not be that much difference between them. And so, some of these nuances, I I think we, I think we like to make broad brushes with some of this stuff. I mean, do, let's go back to Kyler. Does he need to be a leader? Of course he does. Um, does he need to continue to mature like Kelvin Beecham was saying? Of course he does. Is he doing some of those things right right now? Yes. I also think that when you're 24, you you think you're doing some things right and you don't understand when people are saying wrong. I, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, I could tell some stories about Larry Fitzgerald when in his first or second year in the league here. And yes, people you were, can. And people would be like, whoa, how could you say that about Larry Fitzgerald? Larry Fitzgerald was a, a lot different of a person and a, not just a player, but a person, uh, when in 2004 and 2005 and even 2006 than he was in 2015, 16, and 17. And I'm not going to get into a bunch of details. And Larry has talked about it in general terms. But you grow up. You grow up. And I would imagine Kyler has heard maybe, maybe not us talk about this on the podcast, but the national media <laughs> after how yeah, the season Kyler's ended. Yeah, Kyler's listening to sure, the podcast. I'm maybe. Um, hello, Kyler, if you're listening. I'm sure Kyler has heard all the criticism about the leadership, too. So maybe that's been or in the back. Or somebody's told him. And maybe that's been in the back of his mind. And maybe he'll be a little more intentional about that now. Maybe. Well, maybe. I think Kyler's like the rest of us. He wants to hear the salacious and the sensational details from a young Larry Fitzgerald. Darren, do tell. Are you sure you're not going to get into it? I think we all fall into that same category. You, you act like you don't know any of these, Paul. <laughs> so I just want you to say it. Look, um, here's where I think it does has have salacious where it has an application. And that is when I hear a Buddha Baker say that we might have potentially gotten comfortable. There was a may, there was a might, and there was a potentially, but he used the words got comfortable when talking about the slide at the end of last year. On the big red rage, Devon Kennard cited, well, there may have been a lack of attention to detail once you get to seven and oh, ten and two. Okay. So if we're finally, maybe, just maybe, potentially getting an answer, a diagnosis for what was ill and an ail in the Arizona Cardinals down the stretch, not only last year but the year before, then guess what? In my mind, in my humble opinion, the franchise quarterback needs to be part of the solution to that. He needs to be an extra wow. layer of accountability. He needs to be the Kurt Warner saying, you know what, we're not just here to win a division, we're here to make a playoff run. There needs to be that Carson Palmer kick in the rear of the locker room, guys, don't slack at 13-3, and three. we need to go in the postseason sharp. 
And so I think that is where a Kyler and leadership as ethereal as it might be, right, in this. But I think that's where it does have a place in an NFL season. I would I would agree with you. And in that context, I like it. Although, again, Paul, you talk about Booter saying we might have gotten comfortable and all that stuff. I specifically remember players, including Kyler, when they were winning, talking about we just don't want to get comfortable. They talked about it. So those, again, those become words that I'm like, okay, what do they mean if, yeah, they're saying them now, but they also said them ahead of time. Like they knew it was coming and they, what, couldn't fend it off? I mean. I'm curious if it was they noticed a difference in real time or in hindsight letting everything marinate pinpointing oh this must have been the cause it's a good question it's a good observation yeah did they realize it in the moment well or did they come to sort of ascertain you know when i really look back on it and now that things have settled and the whirlwind has come to a stop that was the end of last season yeah maybe we did cut a few corners but, but see again when we start talking about that i just feel like getting comfortable is a euphemism that they're throwing out there because they can publicly and it doesn't really say anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't that that doesn't have a factor, but like Well, there have also been players who have said that guess what? The film is out on you after seven games, after ten games, after a dozen games, the film is out there. And there are just as many players who have hinted and or said that, you know what, both sides of the ball need to evolve in the last month or two of the season and still present a challenge and perhaps maybe not be as predictable to opponents as to what they see on film. So there's probably a little bit of everything. As I look over at the NFL Network right now, what are they talking about? Kyler Murray at OTAs. And Darren, did you not ask the head coach if this is gonna, there's going to be some stain power here? What was I, the answer on that? I enjoyed that. that. I, uh, I asked Cliff Kingsbury, so um, does him being – at the first OTA of the week here on Wednesday, does that mean he's here for the duration or has he told you that? <laughs> and I give Cliff all kinds of credit. He played, well, you gotta, <laughs> he said, well, you gotta show up and see, which I love because for 90% of the people in that room, that means sometime next week when the next open practice is. But right. I, what I wanted to say in real right. time was, you know, Cliff, right. I could go right back out there tomorrow and do it, but I don't think you'd be happy if I was reporting on closed practices. So. It was almost like he was selling tickets. He was like, well, you got to come out and see the next game, you know, but but no, he wasn't. This You're not a, able to attend. My guess is they had that conversation, yeah. right? I mean, have, haven't they had their yeah. conversation? Yeah. You, a good you, you talk about words. We got the favorite phrase uh, of the NFL day to day. That's just, how things work. I mean, our, our good friend Kyle Odegaard, former uh, – former underground cohort, uh, tweeted out. By the way, his full name is Kyle. I disagree. Yeah, that's Odegaard. true. He tweeted out today that, um, and I'm pretty sure I know where this is coming from, which you could if you just watch Kyle's tweets. Um, he tweeted out today that it was always the plan for Kyler and some of these other vets to return on June 1st and then be here. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you know what? Kyle needs to get in on that cage match with the agent and the GM. Kyle needs to get in on that cage match. I'm just going to throw that out there. Everyone can figure that out from themselves. If you look over at the NFL Network screen, Mike Garofolo is over there, and you're wondering, geez, what's he saying because the screen is on mute? Well, if I'm looking at it right, Mike Garofolo reported earlier today that Kyler Murray's return to the team is not an indication a contract extension is imminent, but is instead a, quote, show of good faith that discussions on a new deal will pick up 
Is that from the agent? Uh, I'd say yes. Yeah. Uh, that'd be my guess on that one. It's not far off from what we've heard from Steve Kime, though. He's been very open by saying late summer, late that that's when these deals well, happen. Well, again, this is, this is the interesting part of all this is, look, Kyler's got – Kyler's got leverage and he doesn't have leverage in a lot of ways. Like he can talk about not playing this year and and it would put the Cardinals in a huge bind, obviously, if he decided not to. But the Cardinals are in a little bit of a bind themselves in terms of how they want to approach this and and the reality that if he's going to stick around long term, he's going to need to get this extension. But then if you if if the team says to Kyler, hey, we appreciate you not being there. and we'll talk, but we need to see some of these things like we were talking about earlier, like leadership. And some of that would include being around in the off season. You know, then you draw, you, you don't, you're not telling a guy that he has to be at voluntary, but if you're saying one of the things we want to do for a $40 million a year quarterback is see this leadership, which would include kind of off season kind of stuff. I mean, you can connect the dots if you're Kyler. You know what else we wanted to see? We wanted to see number one, throw to number two. We wanted to see Kyler to Hollywood Brown and you're smiling. Yeah. Cause that does put a smile on everyone's face. Does it not Danny? Well, I saw them chatting up on the field and not just cause you know, quarterback wide receiver, but these are long-term friends. So I, I think they're both going to have a lot of fun. It was Fun to see Hollywood Brown out there wearing number two. I feel like we're okay to say Hollywood Brown. When Rondell Moore was asked if he calls him Marquise or Hollywood, he says both. So I feel like we're good to interchange between. I enjoyed yesterday because on the Red Sea Report, I was on with uh, Craig Relu and Drew Stanton. And Drew kept calling him Hollywood. And Craig kept calling him Marquise. And finally, Drew <laughs> called him out on that. And he's like, are you not comfortable calling him Hollywood? <laughs> I was not comfortable on draft night until the owner, Michael Bidwill, he was calling him Hollywood. That's all he called him. Up on stage in front of the Red Sea, the draft I'm like, well, okay, if the owner's – I mean, now the owner can do things obviously I can't do. But I mean, you know, if he's comfortable and they just ostensibly and, met. And again, for those who don't know, Hollywood refers to his hometown of Hollywood, Florida, not that he's some showy Hollywood right. dude. But he does wear a diamond necklace with the word Hollywood well, I didn't it. say he's not showy. I so, just said – So he welcomes it. He, he realizes it's part of his personal branding. So feel free. According to – I asked him right where you're sitting, Danny, in an episode of The Big Red Rage. Okay, what do you prefer we call you? And he said, you can call me the one. doesn't matter. I totally welcome Hollywood. Darren, when's your birthday? Should we get you a shiny necklace that says your name on it? What about a nickname? <laughs> you have any good is, nicknames? My uh, birthday August 31st, same as Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, Did you know that? No. That's right. Do you have any good appropriate nicknames for us to put on a necklace for you? <laughs> any nice nicknames? Look, just because you call me all kinds of horrible things behind the scenes, Danny, we're not bickering, Paul. Yeah. He, he, he already has tattoos. He doesn't need a necklace, okay? So, I mean, yeah, honestly, that, that at this tattoo point. thing briefly came up at the beginning of the playoffs, and that <laughs> fell apart real quick, didn't it, Paul? What did happen on that? Oh, if they won, they were, what was what was the uh, the gist there? It, what was the circumstance where you would have gotten a tattoo? Real quick, okay, real quick. Real, what was it? What was yeah, it? What is this? Real quick. Last off season, uh, a four or last playoff run, not this past one, but when the Suns made it to the finals that year. Felipe had put out that he, if the Suns won the, uh, Felipe Corral put out that if, he, if the Suns won, he was going to get a tattoo about it. And I said, are you sure you want to do this? This is on Twitter. You sure you want to do this? He said, are you going to join me? And then Lisa Matthews decided to put out a tweet saying a thousand retweets and Darren gets a tattoo, which a lot of people thought meant I was going to get a tattoo at a thousand retweets no matter what because that did get a thousand retweets but the problem was larry got involved larry saw lisa's tweet 
and retweeted it yeah. and multiple times tried to goose it so it got more Oh, wait, it got retweets. I mean, as soon as Larry got involved, I, I got to show it was you. I got, a, I got a friend who, who, uh, who started doing some photoshopping after Larry said I should get them on the neck. It was, it was a thing. Yeah. Um, so okay, the Kyler extension. Um, I did think it was sort of interesting the Garofolo report. If you really parse the words and how him saying a show of good faith that discussions on a new deal will pick up. Does that mean discussions have stalled? What exactly does that mean? We have no idea. I'm probably reading a little bit too much into that. Yeah, don't hurt yourself on yeah. that, Paul. Uh, so let's go with some more low-hanging fruit. Any other extensions that you guys think this, you'll see the Cardinals get done before the season begins? I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know if ones that are gonna get done. But I mean, you start looking at guys like okay, should they get done? DJ Humphreys. Mm. Oh, what are you gonna do with Byron Murphy? Jalen Thompson. Jalen Thompson. Isn't Marcus Golden in a? He is. Yes. He's in the second year? second of a two year deal. Yes. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of guys who are expiring. Yep. JJ Watt, right? JJ Watt. JJ Watt. I mean, a Zach Allen. Zach Allen. You know, you mentioned Byron Murphy. Um, Hollywood. Now he's got two years to go, but so yeah, there's some other. But I'm guessing you can't answer that question until you get the quarterback contract done. I would think. Unless you have a number slotted. I'm sure. I'm sure they're talking to multiple people at at the same time. You know, they're they're not. I'm sure if an agent is coming to them, they're not saying no, 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 not yeah. yet. Now that might not be their priority, but I'm I'm not sure that even with Kyler, talks would really stall. I'm sure it ebbs and flows to a certain degree, but I'm sure that they're in, in pretty constant communication with all well, this. Well, the the thing about the Kyler deal is, if you do it the right way, I mean, if you're truly going to give him a, a big extension you're probably going to lower his cap number for the next couple of years. Then it's going to explode and be painful. But for the next couple of years, it'll probably get a little bit lower. I mean, right now his cap number is almost $30 million for next year, not for 2022. For 2023, right. if he doesn't get an extension, he's got a $30 million cap. But you could probably get that lower for the time being. The other thing, too, is uh, now and as we've gotten to the beginning of June, they buy another – $10 million of cap space because of Jordan Phillips splitting yes. up his June 1st cap hit. So that also benefits them. That was a sliver of good news in azcardinals.com. I didn't quite realize that, or at least I forgot about it. So you sort of broke that down, right, Darren? So now that Jordan Phillips, it's post-June 1st, even though he's released earlier where they allow teams to do that now, so a guy doesn't actually have to sit on the roster. Right. Physically, you know, until June 1st, he has his other options. Jordan Phillips has gone elsewhere since. But now you get to enjoy the $10 million in cap room that cutting him created. Right, because the way that a short thing, the way the rule works his Jordan, for example, Jordan Phillips cap hit this year, if he had stayed on the team, would have been $13.3 million. They cut him. Um, and what they're able to do is that, that just by cutting him, they trim some of that. And then, but if you keep the entire 13.3 on your cap all the way up until June 1st, even though he was cut in mid March, you can then spread it out over two years. So it goes from 13.3 million to down to 3.3 million this year. Yep. So you save 10.3 and I think uh some of that goes away completely and then they you have another 5.9 million in cap hit for 2023. Yep, I'm looking at it right now and uh that's via overthecap.com. So there is a dead cap hit next year, but look, I I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think it's one of the reasons the Cardinals didn't go all in. You know, they didn't scream cannonball and make a big splash in the deep end of the pool. There wasn't Steve Kime off the high dive because 
the hot stove they touched that was Jordan Phillips, and they got burned. There were 17 or 18 million spent for 17 games played over a two-year span. And if you do a lot of the homework, you do a lot of the history of big-time, big-money free agents who sign on day one or day two, there hasn't been a lot of return on investment. At least there have been enough failures more often than not that it makes teams apprehensive. And I do believe that was the Cardinals' approach going into this offseason. There was a cause and effect. And right there, leading that parade was Jordan Phillips and the failure that was that free agent investment from a couple of years ago. So, okay, there you go. Uh, speaking of defense, Vance Joseph met the media. I don't know, Danny, a few takeaways from from what we heard from him. I, him talking about, you know, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons was interesting, and he fully admitted that, you know, Zayvon Collins has a lot on his plate. doesn't sound like they're giving the green dot and the play-calling duties to anyone else. It's going to be on the second-year Mike linebacker. And Vance Joseph was talking about how much mentally he's been seeing Zayvon Collins work the last couple of months to step in and fill that role that was filled by Jordan Hicks last season because that that's what we were told was Zayvon, you know, to mentally see what's going on in front of you and make quick decisions and, and lead the defense. It, that wasn't there last year. So that's what Zayvon's been working on. That's what they are asking of him by letting Jordan Hicks leave in free agency. I did think what was interesting with Isaiah Simmons, it was asked by a media member because during the open portion of OTAs on Wednesday when the media was out there, Isaiah Simmons was spending a lot of time with the DBs and somebody asked if, you know, as a hybrid player, they were planning on using Simmons in more of a safety role more this year. And Vance immediately shut the down and said, nope, he's a linebacker, same as last year. So he's just getting reps. But I thought that was kind of interesting too when talking about Isaiah Simmons. Can I say this, though? You can say whatever you want, Paul. It's a podcast. Don't play poker with Vance Joseph. I would agree with that. He said that before. He said that in Isaiah Simmons' rookie year. Oh, we're not going to use him like they did at Clemson. Are you kidding me? You can't, can't handle five or six positions in the NFL. That's the college game. This is the NFL game. And by the end of the year, he had played five or six positions his rookie season. And so there was some sandbagging going on there. We'll see. We'll see. Especially, this is just... If the Cardinals have a need off the edge, dot, 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 this year, I wouldn't be shocked if you see Isaiah Simmons in some of these exotic blitz schemes on third and long, and here comes Isaiah Simmons off the edge like they did at times a year ago. Well, and it only makes sense to me because if you do things like that, because what what are we expecting this year out of this pass rush? Well, we're, we're expecting having to scheme it up a little bit because you don't have the singular talent of a Chandler Jones or a Nick Bosa or whomever we wanted to, Khalil Mack, whoever we want to talk about. So you're figuring there's going to be a little bit more scheming. So if there's going to be more scheming, then you do involve guys from other places and from other positions being in places they aren't normally or blitzes or all that good stuff. And, and Isaiah Simmons does make sense in that regard. And I for us, uh, there's actually a part that Zayvon Collins fits there too, I think. And by the way, Vance Joseph was very complimentary of the step that Isaiah Simmons took in year two, said, you know, he needs to continue that evolution in year three. And I'm looking now at the log from the press conference. And he also made, and I wrote this down, he said, look, he now has to make consistent plays and not give up plays. That's his next challenge. That's according to Vance Joseph. And that might have been why, I'm guessing, that is – Pro football focus grade, for example, was not all that high a year ago. Isaiah Simmons, even though he seemingly was all over the field and really was a dynamic force, he didn't have the highest grade by PFF. So 
maybe there's some of that that factors in. Now, whether they're able to actually gauge that from such an inside perspective, a lot of players would say otherwise, but there's that. And and then I thought it was interesting him just talking about Zavin and saying, look, um, the defense is easy enough for him to call and for him to make the adjustments and the checks, but I can't make it so easy that it's going to hinder us as a defense. It's still the NFL, right? You still have to have a complex of enough scheme to keep the offense guessing, and it can't be that predictable and so much of a tell. So that's the challenge, I would presume, if you're Vance Joseph with the, a young Mike linebacker, Zayvon Collins, and then trying to get that consistency out of Isaiah Simmons. And look, if they dial Isaiah Simmons up in different spots, like you said, Danny, he's out with the DBs. And we've seen that before, and we've seen a lot of that in training camp the last couple of years. A guy like Nick Vigil, I'm guessing, is probably going to get snaps, and there'll be a lot of packages where the veteran linebacker from the Vikings will be someone who gets playing time. I would not be shocked by that, just based on last year and all the different inside linebackers who saw time for Vance Joseph. So, And I think it'll be interesting, too. I It sounds crazy. I hadn't really thought about when Vance Joseph was saying, this is the first real offseason Isaiah Simmons will have. Like it's not it's not just players who are coming off their rookie year who it's it's players going into year three now who are finally getting that first true off season, which is where you can make a lot of those steps, not just physically, but mentally as you grow. So hopefully that will um bode well for Isaiah as well. By the way, speaking of the defensive front, I'm looking at you two. I think you both need a hot take. So here we go. Hot take time on Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. You know who is now available, a name I've brought up. In the offseason, so far I've been completely shut out of most of the guys that I have named. Have They're I not, not listening to you in the front office, Paul? I don't Juju understand. Smith-Schuster, uh, Will Fuller. I mean, these guys, you know, that Carlos... Clowney. Clowney, Carlos Dunlap. How about Endomic and Sue, who is now officially available after the Buccaneers went big money with Akeem Hicks. And so now you have Endomic and Sue, who was out on the open market. What do you think? Could that be a kind time sign? How old is he now? It's a good question. Uh, I'm thinking he's like 34, but let me, you know, what I do have is his durability. You know, he's the only defensive player in the NFL to play in all 161 games since 2012. He hasn't missed a game in his career since 2011. Of course, that was the two game suspension for the stomping, but uh, other than that, he's been very available and durable. He's 35 years old. There you go. I would, I would take him for one year if, if he was willing to come here, but how much is he going to cost? Hmm. And does, does this interest him? It's yeah. one thing to go sign with the Bucks with Tom Brady and feeling like you're on the edge of a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think there's a little bit more of a of a, a jump here with making that big of a of, of a push this off this season. Yeah, you don't want a Terrell Suggs. You don't want a T Sizzle no, situation. That did not work out well. No, it did not. You got about one month of uh, production out of that, and then. Uh, yeah, he checked out. So, uh, okay. What do you remember about the Terrell Suggs Cardinals <laughs> era there, Danny? Are you trying to throw me under the bus for something here, Darren? No. <laughs> I, it was just a question. I thought you wanted to say something. Head, head, Danny's head is on a swivel, and rightfully so. <laughs> I don't have anything nice yeah. to say, so I'm not going to yeah. say anything at That's all, true. Darren. That's true. That's, uh, you know. Um, like that stopped you before talking yeah. to me. By the way... <laughs> Um, is it too early? Is it too early to talk about the Cardinals' first opponent week one matchup against Kansas City? I say it's never too early to talk about Arizona against Kansas City because you know you know the buzz out of Chiefs camp right now, OTAs. <laughs> I shouldn't even say camp, just OTAs, obviously, 
is George Carr Loftus and his endless effort oh, during no. off-season practices. Quoting Coach Andy Reid, he goes 100 miles an hour, walkthroughs everything, we had to slow him down. He moves around well when he's in space. He's got good hands, it looks like. But the motor is probably the thing that jumps out at you. He goes and he goes. George Karloftis, who, by the way, was on the board and was drafted 30th overall by the Kansas City Chiefs. And so there you go. That's something that the Cardinals are going to have to account for in week one. Chris Jones, the game-wrecking interior defensive tackle. Frank Clark, who's a problem when he wants to be. And now George Karloftis of the Chiefs. So you're you're assuming he's going to be something they got to deal with. Because Andy <laughs> Reid said after... Yes. A couple of OTAs right. that he's good. I'm going right. to take a, a page from the book you guys have been preaching to me all podcasts, which is they're just words. Of course, you're going to say that about your first round no, draft. Let's pick. speaking of words. Let's go. Let's have Danny talk about her question to Kelvin Beecham today, which was the, one of the most fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, that's you right. Know what? It was a good question. It, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> I mean, it was. I I, I just asked Kelvin Beecham yes. being around rookies. On the offensive line, Lasita Smith, Marquise Hayes. I know it's early with OTAs, but what were early impressions of the two of them? And I, I told him I appreciated the transparency because Calvin laughed a little bit. He goes, I got to tell you right now, everyone's just numbers and pads. I just got here. Haven't had a chance to really meet with anyone. And I was like, you know what? I, I appreciate the honesty as opposed to you just yes. saying stuff to say stuff. Because the reality is Kelvin Beecham hasn't been here until literally today. So It was still a good well, question. I'm not going to let you gaslight me into saying it was a bad question i would never gaslight you ever well look bickersons here's the reality (laughs) the reality is that until the pads go on you really don't know about any rookie lineman you don't know about a rookie period but especially a rookie lineman i know you can have first impressions that's all i was asking paul Paul just said that about george karloftis (laughs) saying he's somebody they got to deal with but if he's a speed rusher and he's going 100 miles an hour i'm just saying i'm just saying uh i'm just trying to give you a little scouting report on the week one matchup against the chiefs you know um uh, and by the way uh patrick mahomes you want to know what he's saying about losing tyreek hill I saw this as well. He's saying that now the Kansas City passing offense won't be as predictable because almost all the deep targets went to Tyreek Hill and a lot of the stuff in the seams and across the middle obviously went to Travis Kelsey. But now with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scanling and Sky Moore and this kid that they got from Tampa who's been a sensation, Justin Watson, former Bucks receiver, boom, I'm trying to just educate everyone here on the Chiefs matchup in week one. I mean, that's probably a true statement doesn't mean it's better (laughs) it's probably a true statement right but it's not necessarily better to not have Tyreek Hill but okay touche you're you're, I'm not I I can't really dispute that so uh there you go on on that front uh what else was it what else stood out to you from the press conference by the way Kelvin Beecham was in the trust tree with the media wasn't he 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 pretty much just said it as it was more than once with with the media Kelvin Beecham so that's good you know that's what we want when are we getting back into the locker room, by the way? When is that going to happen? When is yeah, the Darren. Yeah, What's going I, on? I, I already go in the locker room, so I don't know what you guys <laughs> oh, are talking about. Okay. Oh, there's I a mean, flex. That's a flex <laughs> right upside both you guys of our just heads on that toss one. toss the softball. I'm going to turn on it. Wow. I mean, I, I, I'm my guessing, and, and Paul, you remember this pre-COVID, if we can remember that far back. Um, locker, the locker room was never open for OTAs, I don't think. I think they opened it in minicamp, so I'm curious to know if they open it in minicamp. But OTAs was always a, a, a setup situation. 
Um, in fact, the interviews were outside in yes. the direct sun a lot yeah, of times. So I'm, I'm not going to complain too much about yeah. this situation. Yeah. Um, we'll see what they do in minicamp. It still might be, but I mean, I'm, I'm hoping training camp gets back to normal, but. Kelvin was pretty funny. His immediate answer. So I don't even think whoever was asking the question, if they could fully finish asking the question, are you excited about hard knocks coming in? Immediately was, was no. Yes. That's right. <laughs> that was in someone said, that's right. why not? And he was saying, you know, the locker room, the meeting rooms, those are safe spaces. And now you kind of have to have a little bit of a filter. He said, you know, he's never been around hard knocks. He's never even watched it. And what we've heard from players and coaches, maybe this is the boost they will need to get past that second half slump that they've been falling in that they've been falling into. So, uh, but that was pretty funny as well. His immediate no, not excited for hard knocks. As opposed to I'm Devon Kennard, players. Oh, as Devon opposed Kennard? to Devon Kennard, who on Big Red Rage and this will air on Thursday night, uh, I asked him about hard knocks, and and he said, "Well, I'm ready now because I did the broadcast boot camp. So bring on the cameras. I'm ready now because I did the NFL Network broadcast boot camp. So he's even more equipped for the cameras being around Devon Kennard. So. There you go. By the way, he uh, he was excellent in the interview, and um, I think we all need to have our head on a swivel because DK is coming for one of our gigs once he's done playing. He's in year nine, and, and although he didn't give me any stock tips, you know he's really involved in the business, sort of like Larry Fitzgerald outside the game. So that was, you almost that was let the whole interview get derailed on that, though, didn't oh, you? Oh, it would have. Oh, absolutely, yeah, it would have if he would have shared. But he wasn't giving in any of his big investment advice, so that was too bad. Well, I thought everybody substitute. could have benefited. We'll substitute that. DU to my left for DK. How about that? <laughs> right. Ha, 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 Yeah. Okay. I like it better when you guys are bickering, actually. You know, it's uh, it's actually better around here. So, okay. Uh, so, Darren, anything else you need to tell us that we don't know because you have to access that we don't have? Is there anything else that you need to share with us that we're not aware of around well, here I'm, in Cardinals Underground? I mean, I, I think we cover the, the, the yeah. big topics That's right it. now. And, and – you know, again, I think this goes back to what we were talking about in terms of what is said about what's going on right now. It's it's the off season. There's a lot that still has to go on. I, I think there's a benefit mo- somewhat intangibly, some tangible in terms of what they're doing right now. But You know what? I do have this Mike Tomlin quote. I think it's fitting, and we'll end on this because I, I think it is more representative of what Darren's saying and probably what Danny's trying to tell me, and that is Mike Tomlin – asked by the Pittsburgh media the other day about the quarterback battle between Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, and the rookie Kenny Pickett. And Coach Tomlin, just bottom line, with only that Coach Tomlin type of stare, looking through the media saying, quote, nobody's going to win a job or lose a job out here in shorts in May. Yeah. And he let that hang, like we do on this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.